Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Thursday afternoon, April the 14th, 2022. Travis Schreier, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com. We've got a loaded show for you a couple of days out from A-Day 2022 on the University of Alabama campus. We're going to talk with Charlie Potter coming up here in just a second. Going to get Charlie's thoughts on the A-Day scrimmage as we get a glimpse of the upcoming Team uh, Nick Saban, 16th at Alabama. Kind of crazy to think about it in those terms, isn't it? And then a little bit later, we'll get some recruiting scoop from our analyst, Hank South, there at BamaOnline.com. A commitment for the Crimson Tide earlier today where the 2023 recruiting class is concerned. Yonze Pierre, an edge defender from Eufaula, Alabama. Sounds familiar. Edge defender, Eufaula. Courtney Upshaw, ring a bell from a few years back? Yeah, Yonzi Pierre, the latest to come from the eastern part of the state. But first, again, Charlie Potter joins us here on the podcast. And Charlie, you know what? I was thinking about this. I know it was more so a return to normalcy maybe a year ago for A-Day, but this is really going to be the first True turn, return to normalcy, I guess I would say, where A-Day is concerned since, what, 2019 or so? Yeah, I mean, last year was, what was it, 50% in terms of capacity, um, if not less than that. And this year, I mean, I've seen people gripe about it on Twitter, on our message board. The A-Day game is on SEC Network Plus, so it's not on TV. You can stream it. <laughs> but uh, I think that'll get some butts in the seats, no doubt. So I, I expect a big crowd come Saturday. The only thing is um, it might be a little rainy, so that could draw some people away. But, um, no, it's it will feel normal. The spring has felt pretty normal going back to in-person interviews or, of course, not – Going back to um, you know being able to go to practice and view that, I don't think that'll change anytime soon, if at all. But um, yeah, it's felt like um, felt like the old days. You know, you're sitting in that media room waiting for players and, and and Nick Saban to come up. You're you know just catching up with some of the other guys on the beat, and then to have a spring game where you have media coaches and um, you know a full capacity crowd and, and things like that. 
it should feel pretty back to normal. So that, that'll be good. That'll be good to see. Yeah, really cool day shaping up in a number of ways with the centerpiece being the celebration of the integration of Alabama football, right? Going to be uh, paying tribute to John Mitchell, Wilbur Jackson, a couple of Alabama icons for a multitude of reasons. And you got the schedule for Saturday at noon. The gates at Bryant-Denny Stadium are going to open up. You're going to also simultaneously have the Walk of Fame ceremony at Denny Chimes. At 1230, John Mitchell and Wilbur Jackson will have commemorative plaques unveiled outside Gate 1 at Bryant-Denny Stadium. 12.50, you're going to have the Walk of Champions. And then at 2 o'clock, you'll have the kickoff for 2022 8 And I'm with you. I think some anxiety where that streaming situation is concerned might push some more folks uh, to Bryant-Denny Stadium on Saturday. You're also at halftime on Saturday going to have on-field recognition of John Mitchell and Wilbur Jackson as well. So a great, great day on tap uh on all by all accounts uh set for alabama football and you know as far as the scrimmage itself charlie i know you're as anxious as i am to be able to see this football team because you said it media viewing periods have gone by the the boards for now at least who knows if we'll see those again really at alabama in the foreseeable future but as far as some of the news impacting this team of late, some departures where the transfer portal is concerned with Ajay Hall and Caden Clark at the wide receiver and tight end positions. But then we learn of the addition of Tyler Steen at the offensive tackle position, the Vanderbilt transfer set to join the Crimson Tide in the coming weeks. Does that change maybe the lens through which you'll view this offense first and foremost on Saturday, Charlie, with an emphasis on Steen's impending arrival? Yeah, the, the offensive line this spring has just kind of felt TBD, just because, one, you have uh, three players out with injury, two of those being starters in um, Emil Echior and Darian Dalcourt. And so they've had to to rotate some guys around. They've, they've been limited in the number of players they have available um, you know, we talked to Bryce Young earlier this week, and he said the amount of reps some of these guys are getting is, is unlike anything he's ever seen. So, you know, that sounds a little alarming, but at the same time, these guys don't have a ton of experience. So to get those reps, that's valuable. Um, you know, this, this A-Day game is going to be valuable for them. But given that you have two starters out with injury, and then you have a guy that started at both left and right tackle in the SEC coming in, um, it's going to probably look a lot different from what we see Saturday than what we see game one against Utah state mm-hmm. in early September. So, um, you know, I think this weekend's big for a lot of players. You have some guys that are getting work at, at tackle and, you know, we, we heard from Nick Saban talking about the tight end position and the lack of depth there, but they haven't used Kendall Randolph who has played that spot, um, the last couple of years to provide some, some extra beef as a blocker. Uh, he's worked exclusively at tackle, so I think we'll see him uh, at left and right tackle on Saturday. Uh, J.C. Latham, the the second-year player, the former five-star, has seen a lot of work at tackle, so is a guy like Amari Kite. So I, I think we could see a bunch of different looks, but it's, it's going to be big days for those offensive linemen because um, just like with Jermaine Burton and Jameer Gibbs and Eli Ricks, you're not bringing in a guy like Tyler Steen just to you know provide some depth and to push some of these younger players. He will do that. He'll come in and compete, but it's likely that he's coming in with the expectation to 
to continue to, to be a starter at the SEC level. And that's not promised to him. Don't make any mistake about that. But uh, I, I think he's going to be someone that's going to be you know, really right there in the mix and at the forefront of one of those open tackle spots. So, uh, yeah, offensive line-wise, it it changes a little bit. But this offensive line just kind of felt like what we see now is going to be different from game one. From a from wide receiver perspective, it gives those young guys you know even more opportunities because the Jai Hall is not out there. Ja'Cory Brooks isn't out there because of the injury. So I think what they have seven scholarship receivers that can go through a day. So those guys are going to run a lot of routes. They're going to get a lot of targets, and that's going to be good for them. But um, it sounds like the young guys have done a good job. They just got to clean up some of those drops. So. It, for me, the news of this past week or so, if anything, it, it has a bigger impact on the offensive line just because you, know, you have a guy that's going to come in and, and likely compete for a starting job and, and, and be right there in the mix for that. Yeah, kind of in connection with those comments right now, Charlie at BamaOnline.com has 10 Alabama players we're looking forward to watching in Saturday's 8A game. And we'll start on the offensive side of the ball. And I know the guy you have first up. Uh, on offense is a quarterback and it's not Bryce Young it's Jalen Milrow and depth at the quarterback position has certainly been a topic of interest during these uh, 13-14 practices that Alabama has had to date Uh, big spring I think we all agree for Jalen Milrow not only in terms of establishing himself as a legitimate number two especially with Ty Simpson coming in as an early enrollee the five-star from Tennessee but even big picture, when you start thinking about potential successors to Bryce Young, perhaps in a year's time, and what's the sense you've gotten about Milrow this spring? It seems to be positive, I guess, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, first of all, talking about that list and, and talking about how we're kind of itching to get to A-Day to see these players, is, is I could have made a list of 30 players that I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing just because— Oh, wait, do you see five predictions for A-Day? <laughs> I think I've got half the roster in that yeah. piece, but I no, I'm with you. I hear you exactly. But like with a list like this, your mind tends to get gravitate towards the quarterback position first. But I think if I just did it openly and just you know, listed the players that I, I think are one intriguing, but I'm looking forward to see what they bring to the table. Milrose at the top of the list because this will be his first eight day game. I think people forget that he enrolled early last year, but um, you know there were a lot of players that didn't participate. And last year's A-Day game, um, I think a lot of people could probably, you know, pinpoint the reason given what we've dealt with the past couple of years, but nothing was officially, you know, made public. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's a big spring for him because, you know, there's there's not a ton of pressure because Bryce Young is still there, but there still is that pressure given that Alabama needs a new backup quarterback with Paul Tyson moving on to Arizona State. Uh, this is likely. Bryce Young's final year, given what he did last year and what people expect him to do uh, this fall and then move on to the NFL. So Alabama's kind of grooming the guy for the to take over the job. But then you also have that pressure from Ty Simpson, who's, you know, no slouch. You know, he's a young guy. He's still figuring things out, but he's intelligent. You know, he's he's learned the offense quickly. Um, you know, it doesn't help whenever you're working behind a third team offensive line and going against some of the first and second team pass rushers uh, Alabama has on its roster. So life's been a little difficult for him this spring. But all in all, I think Jalen Milrow's done some good things in these last, what, 13 practices. And, um, you know, in this past scrimmage, uh, scrimmage number two, uh, he threw a couple interceptions, but 
you know, Nick Saban wasn't very happy with the drops, and a lot of those just kind of bounced off receivers' hands and landed into uh, the hands of a Alabama DB. So I think Milrose made some good progress. Nick Saban's had uh, good things to say about him throughout the spring. Bryce Young as well. We talked to him earlier this week. But uh, this will be our first real extended look at, at Jalen Milrow because, again, he didn't uh, participate in last year's A-Day game. Alabama has those close scrimmages, which we're not allowed to attend. And then he played in four games last year in garbage time. So we get to see him work with you know, the twos, maybe even the ones a little bit. And uh, it should be fun because he's a guy um, that that's electric with his legs. You know, that's not – you know that doesn't work very well for this game because quarterbacks are in black jerseys. But you know, he can extend the pocket and uh, extend plays and, and make plays with his arm down the field. So uh, it should be exciting to see him work. It, it'll be exciting to see all the quarterbacks. I think you could have listed all three, but if you were just to pick one, Milrow's it for me. Yeah, I think this could be similar to what we saw with Jalen Hurts during his continued development at Alabama in that you talked about the spring game rules for quarterbacks in terms of really being able to do a whole lot with their legs. And I think that's where we're all interested to see if Jalen Milrow has continued to make progress from the pocket and as a passer in general, and maybe with Bill O'Brien hanging around for a second year, that'll benefit uh, Jalen Milrow in terms of, of that specific area of his game. Jameer Gibbs comes in from Georgia tech. Jermaine Burton comes in from Georgia. Aaron Anderson here on your list is an early enrollee freshman. You think playmaking ability with those three, right? Dynamic guys that can give some juice to an offense. That's certainly looking to replace a lot of that with Jamison Williams and John Mechie moving on to the national football league at the skill spots. Yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, and all of these are new guys and that's typically the case with an AA game. You want to see the guys that are new to campus, but I think all three can make a, a major impact this fall, and, and Jameer Gibbs and, and Jermaine Burton especially. Uh, the running back spot will be interesting because I know that Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams have done some things both in practice and in these scrimmages, but I don't know how much they'll do in the A-Day game just because they're still recovering from their injuries. And say, hypothetically, they don't do anything on Saturday. Well, Alabama has three scholarship backs left at that point with Jameer Gibbs, Trey Sanders, and, and Jamarian Miller, the true freshman. So I think Gibbs will get an extended look. Um, and he's done some good things this spring. The same could be said for Jermaine Burton. You know, He's quickly stepped in with the, the first team and uh, judging by Nick Saban's comments after both scrimmages, it sounds like Jermaine Burton's been Alabama's most consistent performer at the wide receiver, wide receiver position. Uh, Treshawn Holden also uh, among those that, that Nick Saban's talked about. You could really name any wide receiver uh, for this one just because uh, with with the, the guys they have leaving for the NFL, you have two guys enter the transfer portal. Um, you know, There's going to be opportunities for these young players. Uh, and, and all of them really are that there's not a ton of experience for that group. So it's a big Saturday. I will say though, you know, we've learned our lesson, whether it's John Mechie in 2019, even though he went on to do special things or even a Jai Hall last year, uh, there could be a wide receiver that has a huge day on Saturday, but Nick Saban's going to want you to temper those expectations just because it's one spring game. And it's not, you know, a lot of that stuff is, is scripted. A lot of that stuff is you know, situational and things like that. So, um, you know, if there is a star from this, it could be uh, Burton or Anderson, but I'm going to try my dandest to temper my <laughs> expectations. Oh, we're going to overreact. Uh, you know, we're going to do that regardless. You know that, Charlie, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, and, and especially, the, the to the, is, especially to the quarterback play behind Bryce Young, we're going to overreact one way or the other. You know, yeah, we're going to freak out like we did with Blake Sims in 2014. And then he goes on to a historic performance in the fall after he, he looked subpar in the spring game. Um, oh, you know, you know what's coming, Charlie, you know. I, and I don't want to sound like a kid that's kicking and screaming, but it's it's kind of <laughs> their fault because this is the first time we get to see these players. Yeah, yeah, you're I mean, right. I, I don't want to be that guy, but like everybody knows there's a Red Elephant Club scrimmage at Alabama. Right, right. They allow people into these scrimmages and those people love to talk regardless right. of what you know they're, they agree to do. And so they could eliminate some of this with just we – could, we could view this stuff is all I'm saying. Being shut out – um, really fires me up because then you have the eight day game when something like this happens and then you're not really hyping it up, but you're asking the question in a post game press conference and then you get yelled at and <laughs> for it. so it's, it'll it's be tough times right now, you know, tough times, it is especially whenever you're looking across the rest of the sec at other beat writers and they're going to practice and scrimmages. Yeah. And stuff. That's frustrating. But Florida's got it wide open right now with Billy Napier pretty much. That's, you that's know, here, here's here's where we're at on the Alabama beat. Peter Brook Chocolatier got invited to a spring practice, Charlie, and you and I can't go for 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where we're at. Hey, look, Peter Brook Chocolatier's thankful for the opportunity. I'm not saying they aren't, but it just kind of speaks to where we're at right now in terms of practice access. Um, let's get into something else here. Uh, let's go to the defensive side of the ball and Let's talk about the front seven a little bit in terms of this uh, top ten list that you've got for guys that you're interested in check interested in checking out on Saturday. Jamil Burroughs, you know, I call some of these guys the Breakfast Club guys. In other words, don't you forget about us? You know, the the '80s flick with the soundtrack. I'm I'm dating myself again with that reference, but you know, Jamil Burroughs, the guy's been in the program for a couple of years and. You think about those interior spots with Fedarian Mathis moving on, and you're thinking, wow, DJ Dale, Tim Smith. But there's been some positive buzz surrounding Burroughs this spring. And then, you know, a couple of young linebackers, too, when you consider Dallas Turner and the hell of a close he had to the 2021 season on the edge. And Deontay Lawson going into his second year in the program. This is a point a year ago where his play really got people thinking big things where he's concerned for the future. Yeah, I mean, I tried not to make this list just completely new players. It, it could have been just guys we'll see for the first time. And some of these guys we will see for the first time in an 8 game, Dallas Turner being one of them coming in last year uh, in the summer. But, um, you know, he's really the only returning starter on this list. But I, I think it'll be, you know, intriguing to watch him and, and his kind of carryover from last year. It sounds like he's had a good spring and, um, you know, it, it's a situation where we've seen outside linebackers, especially, kind of take over these scrimmages, and and you know Will Anderson certainly capable of that. I think you know we could see Will Anderson on a limited snap count for that reason alone. But Dallas Turner is certainly capable of, of disrupting things, and so I think he's one to, to keep an eye on. I think Chris Braswell as well in that department. But yeah, Jamil Burroughs is you're right. It's he's someone that a lot of people don't talk about. Um, you know, since what was it, 2020, uh, when he and Tim Smith kind of started getting in the rotation a little bit, um, you know, we've we've talked a lot more about Tim Smith, and we've seen a lot more of Tim Smith since then. Uh, but it sounds like Jamil Burroughs has done some good things this spring. You know, he's worked with the one some there, 
at the nose guard position. Uh, and so, you know, he's a player that you, know, you, you need to keep an eye on, I think, in this spring game and this spring in general could be big for him. Um, I, I could have said any of the defensive linemen, especially those second-year players that we didn't see much of last year. Um, I think it's important for those guys to develop depth. And the same can be said as an inside linebacker because you're right. I mean, Deontay Lawson's a player that's competing with um, – Jalen Moody for that will linebacker position. And both of those guys actually started last year's a day game because of guys being held out. I don't think Christian Harris or uh, Shane Lee uh, were in the a day game last year. And of course, Henry Toto wasn't on campus yet. And so Lawson really flashed in last year's spring game. And then, um, you know, we didn't see him a ton last season. You know, he's had that, that knee brace on uh, for a while now. And it sounds like he's done some good things this, this spring. He's been kind of neck and neck there with, with um, Jalen Moody for that open spot. So to see him again and, and maybe kind of rekindle what he was able to do last day day would be big for not only him, but for this defense to, to have depth and to, to have a healthy competition there at inside linebacker. Yeah. We get into the back end of the defense with Eli Ricks coming over from LSU and, understanding he's coming off a shoulder injury sustained last season, but Terry and Arnold also not to be overlooked in that corner mix. So a couple of guys that we get caught up in Kool-Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson, understandably. So they were playing some pretty good football as you got into December and into the college football playoff, but doesn't mean there isn't competition in the form of uh, a newcomer and Ricks and, a guy in Arnold that will be making his a day de- debut on Saturday. Yeah. I think corner actually has some really good depth with those four. And then that's not including guys like Jacquez Robinson, um, you know, Traquan Fagan, some of the other guys in the program. Uh, and then, you know, you'll bring in Earl little in the summer, but I almost didn't include Riggs just because of that shoulder issue. I know he's been able to participate in things, but I think in, in the last scrimmage, he was actually in black at some times, uh, black no-contact jersey. So if that's the case, sometimes these guys don't do anything or they might not, not do a lot. Uh, but, you know, being a, a transfer that has generated a lot of buzz, um, you know, it's hard not to. Uh, but with Terry and Arnold, yeah, this will be our, our first look at him just because, you know, he didn't play in any games last year. Uh, he wasn't on campus last spring. And he's a talented player. Um, you know, I think he's someone that will push these older guys for playing time. And uh, I think he's done some nice things this spring um, from a safety standpoint. I know they're not represented here, but, you know, Brian Branch has had a strong spring. Uh, Christian Story had a really good uh, second scrimmage this past Saturday. Uh, so the depth there will also be interesting to see. But there's some young guys in this secondary. They're going to push some of these older guys, uh, even though I think safety is a little bit more set than corner. So there you go. That's a rundown of 10 Alabama players that we are interested in watching in Saturday's A-Day game at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Charlie, as always, appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. Look forward to the continuing coverage throughout the weekend. Always excellent stuff for us from Charlie Potter, Kirk McNair as well. Hey, Charlie, we'll do it again soon. Yeah, man. It's always good to catch up. Sorry to get on the soapbox about uh, practice viewing. <laughs> If, no, uh, it allowed me to get the Peterbrook plug in there. Yeah. So good hey, job. There you go. Yeah, yeah. you if, opened the so door if, wide for me. You know. <laughs> yeah. If, <laughs> if UA Media Relations is is listening, sorry about that. Don't cut the access down even more than you already have. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, there he goes, Charlie Potter. Coming up next here on the Bama Online Podcast, it's Hank South. Going to talk some recruiting in advance of a big weekend on campus in Tuscaloosa. 
That's coming up right now. As promised, we turn our attention to Hank South, longtime recruiting analyst for us at BAMOnline.com. A newsy Thursday morning for Hank as the Crimson Tide picks up its third commitment for the 2023 cycle, this time in the form of an edge defender in Yonze Pierre from Eufaula, Alabama. And Hank, as we bring you on here, give us the 411 on what Alabama is getting in Pierre. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't want to be that guy that puts too many lofty expectations on a kid, but talking to his coaches, uh, talking to Yonze himself, he's getting compared to Willie Anderson, at least by the Alabama staff. And, and that's based off uh, his first step and his get off is what is what they say. So uh, that's a, as an edge rusher. I think that's the, probably the, the modern guy you want to be compared to at, at this point, at least at the college level, um, getting a really good athlete, a kid that's not even gotten close to cut, touch, reaching a ceiling. Uh, you know, he, he's 6'4", 220, obviously has frame to bulk up a little bit more. Like I said, has that explosive, has explosiveness, has that get off, um, could just kind of wreak havoc off the edge. And his best football is ahead of him. He's a basketball player, so he's kind of got that dual sport profile. Um, I, I think I think Bama got a really good one. And I think it says a lot that of what Bama thinks about him, you know, taking, taking him this early, you know, when you have a loaded, um, in-state class of defensive linemen and edge rushers and other guys across the country, like Malik Bryant, um, like Keon Keeley, a couple high tier five-star guys to take a guy like Yonze Pierre now. And also Quay Roussaw, who's not that far down the road, um, uh, to take Yonze Pierre now shows, you know, how, how highly Bama has thought of him since they offered him last year. So big time prospect. I think he can be kind of a, a leader you look for in this class. He's not going to be a kid that does has too much recruiting drama. He he's, he's pretty much locked in and focused on Alabama here on out. Yeah. You talked about the loaded nature of the state and you look at the composite rankings there at 24, seven sports.com and Pierre is the 18th ranked player in the state of Alabama. So that gives you the indication (laughs) of the monster year we're talking about in state. And you mentioned Charles Kelly and man, this is a guy that in a couple of years now at Alabama, he's really developed. And I think he had this reputation before uh, he came on board, Nick Saban staff uh, doing a hell of a job on the recruiting trail for Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look back at some of the guys he's landed um, just in the few years he's been on the staff. I, feel, I mean, it's been a while now, but, you know, Will Anderson, he was the lead recruiter for him. Um, last cycle, he landed Elijah Pritchett, which was a pretty contested um, recruiting battle with Georgia, Florida State and Auburn and some others. Um, he, he's landed guys like Emmanuel Henderson, Isaiah Bond, Terry on Arnold, yeah. Curtis Perry. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, he, he's certainly, I think he finished last cycle. Um, I don't have him pulled up in front of me. I think he was the number two or three recruiter in the country. Um, so he's certainly, you know, in that ace category of Alabama recruiters, um, which is saying a lot with some of the talent on this staff. Yeah. You look at Pierre and you consider some of those comparisons that are being made to Will Anderson and his tape. You see him play with his hand on the ground some, which you see from Will Anderson at Alabama, and you saw it even from Will Anderson on the high school level. But then you'll see Yonze Pierre standing up. Uh, I think he does some things instinctively with his hands that are reminiscent, too, of Will at the high school level. Will had just a hell of a punch to go along with a hell Mm -hmm. of a first step. Uh, Some of those things you just can't teach 
I think when you look at Pierre physically right now, he's listed at 220, continue to fill out maybe more like a Chris Braswell from that perspective from a couple of years ago. Braswell's now 240-ish and hearing great things about the impact he's going to make in 2022. So a lot of different uh, parallels you can draw with a guy like Yonze Pierre, but by all accounts, a very nice pickup for the Crimson Tide. So with 8A coming up here in the next 48 hours or so, what's the lead-up been like, Hank, in terms of expectations of who's going to be there? I know it seems like it always starts with the quarterback position, and I know there's been some news on that front in relation to a former Texas A&M commit who still looks at Alabama in a pretty, pretty – uh, promising way, I, w- I would guess. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's building up to be a pretty good, pretty good showing, and it's kind of crazy to think this is the first time it's going to be an actual visitors' weekend for a day since uh, since 2019. Uh, last year we saw. Uh, it was still the dead period this time last year and, and recruits did visit, but obviously it was, um, dead period visiting. So it was more just hang out in the stands than go home. There wasn't any contact with the coaches in person. So back to normal this year. Um, you just mentioned him, Eli Holstein. We reported yesterday that he is expected back at Alabama. This will be his third visit since early March. And I think I want to say fifth overall since last June. Um, so, you know, the recruiting adage, you know, follow the visits, um, that's his number five for Eli Holstein, who decommitted from Texas A&M a couple or about three or four weeks ago um, and has his eyes on Alabama. A lot of schools are reaching out to him since he's reopened things. Um, I know Florida's really interested in him. Ohio State's been talking to him. Um, Georgia's getting in play with him. Um, but I think, you know, if you're making a pick right now, I think you have to really like where Bama stands. Or maybe not really like, but I think you have to like where Bama stands for Eli Holstein at this point in time. I know everyone's wondering about Arch Manning. Does that mean Bama doesn't feel good about Arch Manning? No, it just means they really like Eli Holstein, too. So uh, that's, you know, the quarterback we're watching along with Arch Manning expected back in town this weekend and you know um we have the list posted up at bamaonline.com and, and I've, I've been adding kids to it you know ever since i posted it this morning i've added about three more names so it's definitely a growing list yeah so when we talk about the quote-unquote elite sort of uh players that are still very much in the mix for alabama uh, give us an idea of, of, of a couple of those guys that we're expecting to see in tuscaloosa over the weekend yeah, so obviously you look at the five-star recruits expected. Um, you got Jaleel Hurley, the commitment. Um, Yonze Pierre obviously is coming too. Um, but beyond that, the targets, uh, Brandon Ennis, five-star wide receiver, the number one receiver in the country from South Florida. Um, he was a guy that, you know, obviously he's a very nationally coveted recruit, um, was trending to Oklahoma. I think um, I'm totally drawing a blank, but I think he was actually committed to Oklahoma um, with Lincoln Riley there than decommitted. Um, I could be totally wrong on this, but I think that was the case. I, I probably should pull up his profile and look at that. Anyway, Oklahoma wants him. USC wants him. Alabama wants him. A lot of schools want him uh, for good reason. Like I said, he's the number one wide receiver in the country. Um, has always been, always spoke really highly of Alabama, um, has built a good relationship with the staff and, and, and his recruiters um, throughout the process. And, and so, you know, he's going to get his look um, at a day this weekend. And yes, he, he was committed to Oklahoma at one point. He decommitted after, um, Lincoln had it all the way. Hank. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I second guess myself, but, um, yourself, <laughs> but, uh, Rich, uh, staying in Florida, Richard Young, the five-star back from, uh, from Lehigh acres. He's expected back. This will be his second visit this year. Uh, he was on campus in January. 
obviously major running back target kid that grew up with Alabama as his dream school. Um, you know, same thing with Brandon Ennis. Schools all over the country want him. He's taking a bunch of visits. I know Oklahoma wants him. Georgia's high on him. Florida, Miami, obviously those schools. And then, of course, uh, staying local, Tony Mitchell is making his second visit to Alabama this week. He was on campus with the Thompson uh, guys on Tuesday, and now he's coming back on Saturday for a day. So that's big, especially when you got schools like A&M and and uh, in Florida, all pushing for him and, and you know trying to trying to sway him, which um, sway him in their direction. Um, getting him back on campus is important. And you know beyond that, you know there's a handful of four star guys, top 100 tier guys. Like I said, Eli Holstein's expected as well, um, and other major targets um, in the 2024 ranks as well. So I needed to ask you about the Tyler Steen. Uh, commitment to Alabama earlier in the week. I, I don't think it really surprised you or anyone that's really in that mix from a recruiting perspective, but um, how did that ultimately play out? Uh, there, there seemed to be a little bit of a delay there. Was there ever a point where maybe there was some anxiety in relation to Alabama being able to pull this off with Steen, or did it kind of go according to how you thought it would? I think, you know, I don't, I don't think there was any delay in terms of him having second thoughts or anything. Um, I spoke to his father um, last week or I guess shortly before he committed uh, or announced his commitment to Alabama. And um, ever since he took that visit in late March, the official visit to Tuscaloosa, Bama has been the team to beat and, and probably before then, too. But more so, you know, I think that visit really solidified where Bama stood in his mind. And, and from then on out, it was, you know, just a matter of when he was going to commit, not if he was going to commit. And obviously we saw that come to fruition this week. But um, <clears throat> it's really interesting because, you know, the other schools that were in play with him, Virginia just signed his younger brother, Blake. Um, and so early on in this process, when he was transferring out of Vanderbilt, Virginia was the team to beat. Um, I even talked to one person that said kind of that uh, he gave a silent commitment to Virginia. And so, I mean, you know, we know silent commitments don't really mean anything, but that was how highly he thought of Virginia wanted to play with his younger brother. Um, and, and so they were kind of uh, the, the team to really watch um, against everybody else. Alabama got in the mix, you know, did what Alabama does. They, they came and swayed him. They, they gave him, uh, you know, uh, you know what his dad said they checked all the boxes is what he said as far as you know football development and obviously the graduate program as well he's going to be doing um the school of business so he's going to be um focusing on that has two years of eligibility left the one school that kind of came out late um and, and really pushed to try to get him was uh was ucla he took a late visit out to los angeles um and, and they went full court press on him you know tried to pitch the the southern cal uh, angle, um, certainly the need for a player like him. Uh, but in the end, I, I think he felt most comfortable with Alabama in terms of uh, both football and and academics together. Um, whereas maybe Virginia was more of an academic push, push slash family push with his brother, um, and then UCLA more so just living in Southern California, which hey, you can't argue with. But uh, Bama won out and uh, announced this week, and he'll be graduating from Vanderbilt in May, and then moving on to campus and. Uh, beginning of the summer yeah and as a grad transfer he's not beholden to the intra-conference transfer rules that you know otherwise would require him to sit out a year since that window has come and gone for i guess the undergrad so good situation two years of eligibility like that too not just a one and done it could be uh if it plays out the nfl is in his more immediate future but could be a two-year guy 
for the Crimson Tide. And Hank, are we at a point where you just never say never, where additional transfer portalists might be involved with Alabama here in the days after a day? Yeah, you know, I think you you kind of have to. Um, you know, somebody asked us on our site the other day. They said, you know, isn't Bama over the scholarship? Like, aren't they over numbers? Like, don't they have? Aren't they out of space for new numbers? Numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I, and I said, I think, think we're still in that period of time where you just get whoever you want and then let the numbers work themselves out later. And and certainly, you know, I think the next two weeks we're going to see a you know the transfer portal really blow up a little bit more with um, spring practices coming to an end and guys kind of figuring out where they actually stand across the country on their, on their uh, respective teams and maybe deciding to look elsewhere. So I, I think, you know, we've already seen Georgia lose Amarius Mims and Clay Webb this, this week alone. So um, there's going to be more movement. Um, you know, th- there's been some buzz about Tyler Harrell, um, who a Louisville wide receiver that entered the portal earlier this week and in Bama, um, you know, potentially being in good shape there to add him another speed wide receiver on the outside, um, so that's a guy we're watching. I know Nick Saban mentioned, you know, the depth at tight end is a little bit, um, of, of something they're looking at. Maybe that could be a spot. They, they try to hit the portal in and, and try to bring in an, another experienced tight end. Uh, that's just me kind of s- speculating there. Um, uh, but maybe if, if you are looking for more portal moves, you could make, that could be one. So, um, Tyler Harrell is the name we're watching right now. We'll see if he joins up with, uh, you know, Jermaine Burton, their other portal wide receiver edition and the guys they have coming back. So yeah, I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think portal season is over just yet. There you go. Hank South as always doing a great job for us here on the Bama online podcast and certainly each and every day right there at BamaOnline.com. You need to hang out with us there at the round table, the premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans around the world. You're going to find Hank. You're going to find Charlie. You're going to find myself, Kirk. And, of course, site publisher Tim Watts as well. Hey, Hank, appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, Travis. For Hank South, Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great A-Day and holiday weekend, Easter Sunday coming up. Be sure to enjoy that with friends and family, and we'll do it again here soon on the BAM Online Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.